May I just say on behalf of Sabine and myself how wonderful it is to welcome you all here this afternoon uh, to Oris Anugtron, home of Irish President since 1938. We're delighted to be launching our series of garden parties and uh, to be doing so, as I said, <coughs> it's good it is that we have been very fortunate with the weather, so I hope you take all of the opportunities of enjoying every aspect uh, of your visit here. Today, Bloomsday, is an important day in our annual cultural event. We always start the garden party season on this day, a day when we have the opportunity, in a special way, to celebrate the life and works of James Augustine and Aloysius Joyce, our great modernist avant-garde writer, correctly regarded as one of the most influential and important writers of the 20th century. But I do think it's important to realize that that achievement from which we and future generations will continue to benefit was in fact achieved at a great personal investment by James Joyce's wife, Nora, and their family. As always, Bloomsday for, for Sabine and I, uh, in particular, calls to mind the special contribution of a great friend of Sabina's, Deirdre O'Connell. Deirdre's contribution to the Irish experience of European and modern theatre. Many would say that without her, we mightn't have had access to that wonderful work. And Deirdre would have been celebrating her 84th birthday in this week. And as founder of the Focus Theatre, she played such a crucial, formative role in the arts and cultural life of this country. And I know that some of you here, many of you here indeed, may have your special memories of Deirdre and her much-loved and respected theatre. So let us today, <coughs> let us remember Deirdre warmly together with her generous artistic legacy. <laughs> Um, Bloomsday has become an annually observed celebration now, not just in Joyce's home city of Dublin, but across the world in places as diverse as the Hungarian town of Jean Bratley, the fictional birthplace of Leopold Bloom's father, Virash Rudolf, and elsewhere in Trieste too, where the first part of Ulysses was written, and of course Bloomsday is celebrated across the United States and Canada, South America and Asia, giving so much work to academics across the world as James Joyce planned. While today we continue our celebrations of Joyce, this year Sabina and I have decided uh, 
to celebrate Seana Kese, his work and life, because this year marks the centenary of Ocasey's Shadow of a Gunman, the first of Ocasey's great Dublin trilogy. Today, as we take the occasion to celebrate the lives, works, gifts and sufferings of these great joints of Irish literature, we celebrate two, Dublin, the Dublin of Joyce and Ocasey in all its richness. Dublin and the life suffered and enjoyed in it was not just a character so it's as important as any human character, but it is the crucial context for their work in both of the case of both of these writers. Indeed, it has been said that just like his plays, O'Casey poured a gritty romanticism into his songs and included a dash of satirical wit from the streets of Dublin. Only recently I was informed, but it reminded me that long after his sight was fading, James Joyce used to leave Radio Erin on all day. In fact, actually his connection uh, uh, with Ireland. My wife Sabina, among others, has been a staunch supporter of the campaign to save the home and studio of Sean O'Casey at 422 North Circular Road in Fibsborough, Dublin hoping to turn it into a community, cultural and arts venue. And may I say how delighted Sabine and I are to see so many of those who have been fighting to keep the building, where all the plays were written, that you are able to be with us and be present at today's garden party. Sabina will read O'Casey's piece on the Irish Citizen Army, as she did at the unveiling of the Starry Plough in the gardens here in Oris and Uthron in 2018. These are all part of the sculpture garden that we have been creating to celebrate the 1913 lockout, our War of Independence, and so many others, and so many others, and this great silver birch trees, which was the wish of the Barton family, and which was the decision of the Dole in 1919, that this was the best way of remembering those who were responsible for the foundation of our state. The Starry Plough is a monument commissioned in commemoration, as I have said, of the workers involved in the 1913 lockout of Dublin, a founding moment for workers and trade unionism in Ireland, and of the citizen army, and its first secretary and historian, Shona Casey. It was a great privilege for us during COVID, for example, to invite representatives of all the frontline trade unions to take up a position at the top of the star as we thanked them for the work that brought us through the, the, the pandemic. And there are other celebrations of Shona Casey's life and work to which we may all look forward. I understand that Galway's Druid Theatre Company will be staging the O'Casey Dublin trilogy later in the summer to be directed by Druid director Gary Hines. We welcome all those present today, including Bloomsday groups and theatre companies from around Dublin and elsewhere. Some interpreters have highlighted the female influence on O'Casey. These include Today's O'Casey's Women Piece by Smashing Theatre Company. Recent literary work has underscored, too, the importance of recognising the women in James Joyce's life. I'm so pleased to be able to announce today that at the wish of Stephen Joyce, 
James Joyce's grandson, Stephen Joyce, conveyed to me in numerous conversations before he died that permission be given to have an inscription of a flower given to my daughter, written by James Joyce, for Lucia to be executed at Nora and James's grave in Flunterne Ceremony in Zurich. Permission has finally been granted. The Department of Foreign Affairs, I am grateful to them for funding the cost of this. And it's going to happen next month. And I said, Movikas I do want in particular to thank Hansen and to thank the Zurich authorities on the type of stone they took great care so that the type of stone that carries the, that will carry the name of Lucia is the same type of stone that carried the names of James and Nora. It will read <coughs> <coughs> It will read, Frail the white rose and frail are her hands that gave, whose soul is sere and paler than time's one wave. Rose frail and fair, yet frailest a wonder wild. In gentle eyes thou veilest my blue-veined child. I think it is so important. It was interesting talking to Stephen Joyce, he was very anxious that his own ashes be, uh, uh, be, be, be scattered, along with that of his, his, his wife, Solange. As a young woman, Lucia was celebrated as a remarkable artist of great promise when her modern dance performances caused a sensation in Paris, the south of France and in Italy. Yet despite this, the adjective troubled has attached itself to her name so tenaciously that that early genius of hers is too easily dismissed. As her father, James Joyce, wrote, whatever spark or gift I possess has been transmitted to Lucia and has kindled a fire in her brain, although he did acknowledge that she was an innovator, not just understood. Her experiences of mental illness including a sad period of more than three decades in the institutional setting of psychiatric hospitals, now need to be framed as part of a much larger story of an exceptional woman whose light was so unfairly extinguished. And I do recall during that period when we received a message to Bowling Green when we were honouring uh, Nora Barnacle, and that message was so warm and so appreciative of the fact that her work was being recognised. In his wife, Nora Barnacle, Joyce found a partner who was also a mother figure as much as a free spirit. It was carnal love, Edna O'Brien has remarked, but also he saw within her a melancholy and an ancient knowledge that answered his deeper needs. I remember talking to a very elderly woman once in Galway, asked did she remember Nora Barnacle, and she said to me, she wore big hats and she looked mostly downwards. If possible, I think in many cases, when uh, uh, in it, it is, I think that his musical mother, James Joyce's May, mother May, established an early bond that inspired a lifelong relationship to women that was split between reverence and torment, one instilled initially through the childhood rituals that shaped his agnosticism, providing Joyce with the material for him to make open war on it, his Catholicism, in what I write, 
and say and do. An early supporter of his writing, May is believed to have had 15 pregnancies, 10 children survived, before her early death at the age of 44, refusing to pray at her dying bedside, Joyce wrote in a letter to Nora, I understood that I was looking on the face of a victim, and I cursed the system which had made her a victim. That system of endless pregnancies without choice or means of survival, imposed as national and state law colluded, was a cruel one. It is no surprise, then, that Frank Cremens, an Irish diplomat, based in Bern, informed the Department of External Affairs in Dublin, where Emma de Valera was minister, of James Joyce's death in Zurich on January the 13th, 1941. The Department Secretary, Joseph Walsh, responded, Please wire details about Joyce's death. If possible, find out if he died a Catholic. Express sympathy with Mrs. Joyce and explain inability to attend funeral. For several years afterwards, Nora would request Irish governments that her, body, that her, that her that James's Joyce might be removed back to Ireland. So celebrating James Joyce and his work, including his masterpiece Ulysses, the centenary of which we marked at last year's Bloomsday Garden Party, reminds us why we must be very grateful to the independent book publishers who take risks, and so many of them are here, I welcome them, provide such a vital service to our society by publishing original thought-provoking work that might not otherwise receive the light of day. We are all indebted to Sylvia Beach of the, fir the first Shakespeare co and Company of Paris, who in 1922, as James Joyce struggled to find willing, will anybody willing to publish Ulysses, Indeed, when no English or American publisher would touch his manuscript, had the wisdom and courage to see its worth, and who took a significant gamble by bringing the now world-renowned Ulysses to publication under the imprint of Shakespeare and Company. Sylvia Beach's intellectual virtuosity and free-spiritedness supported an approach to publication that was experimental in its willingness to recognize the breadth and form that was something new, creative, in its enabling a new form of literary expression and audacious structure, given the controversial subject matter. James Joyce's work is, of course, of its time, but may I suggest that certain thematic explorations in his work have never, ever been more relevant to our contemporary circumstances. Joyce, throughout his life, remained critical of coercive ideologies claiming causality that was improper, such as extreme forms of nativist nationalism, citing the coercive oppression of nationalism and fascism as a key threat to democracy and the artistic sensibility. Having lived through World War I when he wrote Ulysses and living to see the outbreak of the Second World War, Joyce would no doubt be aghast to see war return to the European continent as we now found ourselves. May I suggest that both Joyce and Tukesi would be horrified by the rise of xenophobia, racism, homophobia, misogyny, and other forms of intolerance that we are now witnessing in too many places. They would be appalled at a world where racism is increasing where a poisonous xenophobia, new and recalled, has taken hold in so many places where fear is being sold.
As a traveler, a migrant himself, and next Tuesday we celebrate World Migrants Day, Joyce had a profound understanding of the great benefits of the migratory experience, of the importance of intellectual curiosity, be it in terms of diverse, vibrant cultures, sensibilities, intellectual heritages, or philosophical traditions. His embracing of these cultures during his time spent in Italy, France, Switzerland, wherever. Countries that at the time would have been more sympathetic to a subversive or nonconformist writer undoubtedly inspired Joyce's writing and particularly his depictions, his depictions of the sensual world. And we owe much to these countries who enabled him to write as he did when he could not write as he could at home. Part of his unspoken connection, as I have said already, to Dublin, Dubliners and Ireland was when his sight was fading, leaving Radio Air none all day, thus staying in touch with what he called the sounds that bind our life together. Marfuckle Square, today we recall Joyce in all his complex, everlasting brilliance, doing so through the prism of the female figures who touched him, shaped him, loved him, they were women who answered to the longings and anguish of his inner life, as Edna O'Brien has noted sagely. Joseph's greatest loyalty was to his work. That's where the writer really lives and belongs with their worlds, and it is our work that defines us. May I take this opportunity, then, of thanking you all once again for being with us this afternoon. To all those who have made this events like this possible, staff at Oris and Oak Throne, Office of Public Work, and so many others. God, John, our gods who help us. So I take the opportunity to thank all of those who will be performing or have been performing, from the singers entertainers, including Simon Morgan, the Italian Choir of Dublin, Il Coro, Il Coro Italiano di Dublino, and Keela, who will shortly, I believe, be performing the Old Triangle to mark the centenary of Brynden Behan's birth. I do thank the St. Lawrence O'Toole Band, who are playing on the lawn today, and how appropriate it is that Sean O'Casey himself, a player of the Alien Pipes, was one of the founders and first secretaries of the band. I do want to thank MC uh, Tom Dunn, the first aiders, the staff, everybody who has been helping us, all the staff here at the Oris, who actually put so much effort into looking after you at these events and who have worked tirelessly to make today memorable. Sabine and I hope you enjoyed this Bloomsdale with us. Every blessing for the future. Thank you.